This week, instead of trying to come up with a clever intro, I just thought that I would put in some sort of funny clip from the episode. But if you're hearing this, it means I probably couldn't find anything funny enough. So, uh, enjoy! (laughs) That's a joke. We're going to find something funny enough. Maybe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Region Unlocked. My name's Cameron. And hey there, I'm Jake. And today we are recording on April 24th and 25th, 2022. Jake. Yes, Cameron. (laughs) How's it going? (laughs) Oh, there we go. I was waiting for the how's it going. Yeah, I I couldn't answer your question without a prompt. Uh, No, it's it's going great. So uh, it's been a rainy day recently, and... I know it's morning, but it's been like raining all night, so everyone's probably going to be very sleepy, including myself. So, there we go. It's, it's been a rainy day. Well, let's get awake and have a wonderful episode. Oh, we're going to. I'm already super awake because of this coffee. I, I brewed some strong stuff this morning. Good. Good stuff. So, yes. I don't know what we should talk about. I was going to ask, how's your week going? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, has there been anything interesting? Uh, other than what's been happening, no. I mean, I guess from like a normal uh, everyday life um, perspective, that's pretty interesting though anyway. I've just been going back and forth from Kanagawa to Tokyo every week. And this weekend, I'm back in Tokyo for the last day. But starting next week is something in Japan called Golden Week. Mm-hmm. And Golden Week is a, uh, it's a national thing where a lot of people get off work for the week. And it's essentially the equivalent of spring break back home. So I'm going to start that on, I believe, Wednesday or Thursday. I forget which day. Uh, but it'll last for a little, a little over a week, and that'll be plenty of time to get off. So I'll spend some of that time in Tokyo and in Osaka, probably hanging out with some friends and doing some other secret awesome video work. But that's our spring break coming up, Golden Week. Very nice. I think mm-hmm. you might have mentioned Golden Week last year, yep. and I, d- I don't remember. Um, mm-hmm. So tell me, why is it called Golden Week, and why does it apply to everyone and not just you as a teacher? You know, that's a great question. I have no idea why it's called Golden Week. Um, it's definitely something that's Japanese, though. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, it, it applies to most everyone. So, like, most companies will get Golden Week off, and it's a great time for families to get together and travel. So, it's just, um, I'm, I'm, surprisingly, I'm not, uh, I'm not so sure of the history and the context behind this one. Hmm. But it's, it's certainly golden. Well, there we <laughs> it's go. It's a golden opportunity. Jake's not very informative Japanese lesson jingo. <laughs> yep. There you go. <laughs> very wonderful. <laughs> Oh, that's sweet. Um, so, yeah, you did mention you've got some secret video stuff you're filming. So, uh, let's. I guess let's lead into our our next point, and that mm-hmm. is that this episode that you're listening to is going to be our second to last before the finale of season three. And frankly, it's a long time coming. <laughs> We've been in season three for like over a year now, mm. and we need a break. We need a break. Mm. I uh, was just looking at the episode count. We started season three on episode 
46. Mm. And our finale will be on episode 86. Woof. So it's been right. pretty much the length of season one and two combined. Wow. And I know we, you know, we took a little break around the fall time, but still, yeah, <laughs> just I'm kind of <laughs> looking forward to not having to edit every week and, yeah. you know, kind of regroup, start planning out season four. And so mm-hmm. just to give you guys a little heads up on what is season four, what are we thinking? You know, we've kind of caught up to the modern era, essentially. Mm-hmm. I'd still consider, you know, uh, technically timeline-wise, we're at like the Xbox One, PS4. And mm-hmm. those games are, I'd say, are still very modern. So, Yeah, yeah. You can still might, buy them, like new. Yeah, 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 we can. And so I'm sure we'll cover some of that. But from this point, I think we're going to start going more retro again and then also just kind of more whatever the heck we want. Just covering a whole bunch of different topics. But again, I do want to get back and talk about retro stuff because I think that is what I have enjoyed the most in this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think people appreciate that as well. Yeah. Um, a fan did email in. I said, hey, what kind of other stuff do you want to hear? And they said, more retro stuff. <laughs> <was like>, okay. <laughs> You're right. We've gotten awesome. a little away from that. Yeah. Well, you know, considering our season that we're in now has lasted more than half of our career as podcasters essentially yeah um i think it's about time or it's it's high time that we go back and give our retro episodes a little bit of retrospect Mm -hmm. and talk about them there i think there's a lot of stuff that we've discovered and have even rethought about ourselves with some of those games that uh, is definitely worth talking about especially even in having our conversations before we uh start the podcast like we've brought up a lot of little points and stuff like huh we should have talked about that in a previous <laughs> podcast so yeah, um, we should have so maybe we'll revisit some games and things like that yeah doing a little reflection already i just thought it was funny uh sometimes i'll listen to old episodes while just playing wow got it on mm-hmm. the background and i was listening to episode yeah. 15 which was about banjo kazooie uh-huh. for one it's just so funny hearing uh, hearing me say that i was 29 in that episode it's like oh now i'm 31 I can't believe we've been doing it this long already. And <laughs> we, it was so early. And we were talking about in that episode how I had just played through The Last of Us for the first mm-hmm. time. And so we were gushing about that. And it's like, oh, yeah, now one day we'll get to do an episode about The Last of Us in like 100 episodes. And that ended up being <laughs> like episode 80 or so. It's crazy that we did catch up to that. And you weren't that far <laughs> off on the episode count. Wow. And, oh, boy. Uh, it's just really Future. cool. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Huh. And then also in that Banjo-Kazooie episode, we were going through each level and talking about our favorite jiggies from it. And yeah. in Mumbo's Mountain, your favorite jiggies that you said were beating Conga and giving Chippy the orange, <laughs> which mm-hmm. when we did... Our episode 64 special, Banjo-Kazooie <laughs> Race, those are literally the two that you forgot to do, and it's the you're reason right. you lost. <laughs> you're right. It's, it, there's a lot of irony there. I feel like there's a lot of, uh, uh, maybe that's a commentary on life right there. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, uh, so I thought about that too, actually, considering those were like the ones that I remembered. And I'm ultimately just going to chalk it up to the fact that I got nervous. Yeah. So um, I'm going to blame it on that. Okay. <laughs> those were the days 
<laughs> but anyway, folks, uh, no lack of future content. Just, I think, a change in how we're going to do it. Yeah. So, so oh, and yeah. to loop back around to what Jake was saying, uh, for the finale, we are going to be doing a video episode. So it might take a little longer. Uh, so <laughs> I, apologies if there's like a week d- gap in the release. But we're working on that, and we've got some cool things that we're going to show you in that episode, and we're excited to film it. Uh, So, yeah, look forward to that. And one last thing for all of you lovely patrons. First of all, thank you so much for supporting us. You know who you are, Jason, Luke, Caitlin, and Malik, and some anonymous donors. I wonder who they are. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Not Jake's parents. (laughs) Oh, of course not. Of course not. No, they're not. Hi, Mom. (laughs) I just wanted you guys to know, once we go on this break, we will uh, just hit pause on that. I mean, you can back out if you want, but from Patreon, I can just hit pause payments until we come back. And if you're fine with that, cool. Or I think some of you are close to getting a free shirt. If you want to keep it going until you get that free shirt and then pause it, I don't <laughs> care. Uh, just send me a message and we'll we'll figure that out. But uh, yeah, this is our second to last episode. Excited for what's to come. And so now let's talk about this episode where really we've got a bunch of just fun questions to reflect on. And actually we'll get into some retro stuff and, and not talk about any game in particular. Mm-hmm. But we before we begin, Jake, I got some icebreakers for you. Oh, Actually, yeah. This whole I'm episode's kind of icebreakers. But anyway, I've got three questions. <laughs> okay. All kind of nerdy. First of right. which, we were actually just singing this to each other playing mini golf the other day. Willy Wonka. <laughs> which of the kids in Willy Wonka are you? Which of the kids in Willy Wonka am I? All right. Are you talking about now or when I was a kid? Um, you can answer both. Okay. Let's see. Hmm. Because I know who you were as a kid. <laughs> uh let's see that is tough i guess you know as a kid i'd probably equate myself to mike tv oh yeah we could not break your attention when you yeah. got in the zone <laughs> it's pretty bad i started video games very early and just got locked into them and it's 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 terrible and that's mm-hmm. essentially uh what mike tv was like you know that was his fault he just wouldn't stop watching tv or whatever yeah, I'd say I was Mike TV, and to this day, I'm probably Mike TV. I, I, I'm not uh, good enough of a person to be Charlie Bucket. I'm just yeah. going to be honest there. Yeah, no. Is anyone as good as Charlie? <laughs> no. N- no one deserves a candy factory. Especially the Johnny Depp <laughs> Charlie in that yes. one. He, he's the sweetest kid in that. Yes, he is. Uh, I do not deserve a candy factory. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Not that good of a person, so... <laughs> What about you, Cameron? I disagree. Which kid are you? You can have a small candy store, at least. Oh, thanks. <laughs> a, a candy side hustle where I sell Japanese candy because no one can come over here to get it right now. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Get on Mercari and start selling it that way. Anyway. <laughs> Fun fact. When people hear this, it would have been last week, but still coming up for, for present, Cameron. Uh, this weekend, we're having this massive uh, esports tournament at the fairgrounds where we got a bunch of high schools and colleges coming and VR circus of just like stuff for the community to come do. And there's a bunch of food trucks coming. And one of the food trucks coming is the Mr. Beast food truck that sells the beast burgers. If you 
watch him on YouTube. <laughs> and it's just funny because I think he'll have like his beast chocolate bars <laughs> and they've got like golden tickets for you to find. That's kind of cool. So anyway, I'm very excited. It's going to be one hectic weekend, but hopefully it went really well. Maybe you came. Not you, listeners. Maybe the listeners came. Maybe. I, I highly doubt that I'm going to be able to go over there. Well, you should try. I'll try. I'll do some texting and see if there's any uh, airplane tickets that are... Oh, sorry. None. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll post some stuff on Instagram for people to see. It should be pretty sweet. Sweet. But to get back to the question, obviously, yes, as a gamer, Mike TV, I don't think I'm a brat like Veruca <laughs> and... What was what's Violet's main fault? Just being obnoxious? I think she was like way too competitive. Like she needed to be number one. Mm, yeah, that is not me. I'm not competitive <laughs> whatsoever. I think you're pretty competitive. I disagree. <laughs> that yeah, I won that argument. <laughs> <laughs> See, I just proved my point. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, but more as an adult, I feel a lot more like Augustus Gloop every day. Just. <laughs> Being like, Cameron, you're 31. Stop eating this chocolate. It's not good. <laughs> get you're going to fall into the river. You're going to get sucked up the, the chocolate tube, yeah, figuratively be, speaking. Yeah, it's the wake-up call I need. Yes. Or maybe it's the fact Hopefully. that my left arm is going numb right now. Ouch, that's not good. Yeah, you need to stop <laughs> eating the chocolate. That was a joke. I'm okay. <laughs> cool beans. Okay. Uh, second two questions kind of go hand in hand. So uh, if you had the space, maybe a sweet basement that mm-hmm. you could trick out with your man cave with like a museum of all your cool stuff, what would you want to have a prominent display of? Prominent display. Is this stuff that we already own or stuff that we would own in fantasy world? Mm, it, it can be both. Mm, okay. So as you probably know, Cameron... I'm an avid collector of artifacts and really just random cool stuff. I yeah. like stuff that's unique. I would have display cases full of very rare artifacts from crazy time periods, which I already own a few. So yeah. I'd probably have a few of those on display. And then, of course, I'd have my movie props all lined up in nice plexiglass cases, not just sitting in a safe in my basements. Yeah. They deserve to be <laughs> displayed Sounds like you should just become like a museum curator. I think you'd like that. You know, I've thought about that. If there's one thing that I wasn't right now, besides a teacher, actor slash artist, <laughs> it would be either a museum curator or like an archaeologist. Like I would love something like that. And I, sometimes I ask myself, why didn't I go into that field? I, I should have. It's not too late. You're right. It's not too late. You only got one life. Do what you want. It's true. I'll be a teacher for a while and then I'll go and live in the past. Be an archaeologist. <laughs> Sweet. Yes. What about you? So I I can't really answer the question without going into my second question. Okay. I couldn't think of a great answer because all I could think of okay. was gaming stuff. And so my nice. second question is, if you could have the complete collection of any console, what would that be? Like what system? Ooh, a complete collection. Are you talking about like one company? Uh, no, of of that generation. So, for for my answer, I would I would want in sixty four to have you know just like all games, and then you know in this fantasy they're all still in their box, and so have that all on display, and then like have every different uh, controller, every variation of the N sixty four because there is a lot of variations of that console and color, mm-hmm. 
And I think that would be just a pretty awesome relic to have on display. Just have all of that. Cause that, when I think about collecting any games, those always make me the happiest. Mm, that's awesome. N64, like the complete N64 collection was actually a dream of mine when I was a kid. I thought that was the epitome of cool having a house or something and having every single game for the N64 ever made, like lining the walls, everything just sitting around in prominent spots. So that, that was my childhood dream. Just, just FYI. <laughs> so is your answer the same? It, you know, nowadays, I don't know. I think now my dream would be to like have every one of the oldest consoles like I'm talking about the earliest Nintendo, the earliest Atari, the er- the earliest uh, Sega, stuff yeah. like that. Like Sega and Nintendo, I get Atari. Those like those games are garbage, man. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's the it's the wow factor of having one. Yeah, I suppose like, it's gotten to the point where it's like an artifact now. Like it is old mm-hmm. <laughs> for a video game console. So just to have one is like kind of a status thing. Like whoa, that's that's awesome. So I'd like to have maybe the oldest of the old consoles and maybe all the variations of those, even the handhelds. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. In my opinion. Okay. Doesn't quite answer the question because I said one singular console and generation, but your answer was interesting enough. So let's move on because (laughs) it's funny. I phrased it like these icebreakers would lead into the actual content, but really the content is just asking each other a bunch of questions today. Hey, that's content. That's quality. (laughs) So would you like to uh, lead into our, I guess, the first official question? Yes. We're going to be doing some very deep discussions today about video games and our opinions on them. Oh, wow. That's new. I don't think we've done something like that. Not not specific video games. Of course not. What are we talking about? Video games? We don't talk about those. So I've got a question for you here. Okay. Cameron, what are some modern games or one modern game? that your younger self would have been most excited about playing? So that is a big question, big, broad question. (laughs) And it's hard to come up with a singular answer. And so here's what I came up with, you know, as a kid, for one, looking at the N64, let's, let's say like Banjo-Kazooie, Super Mario 64 is kind of like our standard. So, you know, what would be, a vast improvement on that. And, mm-hmm. and for one, that's kind of tough because games haven't really quite been replicated like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like Banjo-Kazooie still stands on its own. Yeah. There's not like better similar games, right? Mm. Yeah, not as many. Because, yeah, the genres have, have really just kind of changed mm-hmm. over time. So uh, for a more vague answer, I think the evolution of the open world would mm. would have blown me away as a kid. Um, looking yep. at games like, I mean, just Breath of the Wild or the Horizon games, mm-hmm. like, that's huge. Like, just to be able to literally almost go anywhere, do anything. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, Breath of the Wild, especially when it came out, people were really surprised by, like, how sandboxy it was, where it's like, you could just do about anything. It's like, oh, I can set this grass on fire, and then it makes an updraft, and I can fly on the updraft. It's like, just interesting physics that start coming to play that you would not have yeah. ever thought about. It's like, oh, I can, why can't I surf down this snowy hill on my shield? Oh, wait, I can? 
Like, yeah. <laughs> there's just a lot of cool stuff like that. That yeah. was just kind of an evolution of kind of breaking barriers of what was once normal and limiting. And now things are really just starting to become, like, if you think it, you can probably do it. Mm-hmm. A lot of games are just that open and, and accessible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And it's sad that the appeal there is almost worn away because it's so standard now where you can yeah. almost do anything. And there's so many games out there now, and it's so easy to develop those kind of games. But yeah, I, I would uh, I would definitely mirror what you just said about the evolution of the open world, considering my first experience with that was Zelda Ocarina of Time. And that's not even considered an open world by today's standards. I mean, that Hyrule <laughs> field is pretty vast. It, it was pretty big at the time, wasn't it? Yeah. So for my end of this question, I focused on when I was five to eight years old, like when I was just discovering video games and when I guess my imagination and uh, eagerness into learning about what video games were was at its peak maybe, or when it was just starting. So it was maybe the most fresh. Mm -hmm. And I have two somewhat specific games here. Uh, First off is the Elder Scrolls series. Okay. And that was because I was obsessed with medieval stuff back in the day knights and swords and fantasy and stuff and it ties right into what you were just talking about with open world games Mm -hmm. those games are open world and these games came out interestingly enough around that time when i was about that old and of course i never knew about them because they were you know those are games for grown-ups and our (laughs) computer was not uh, capable of handling such games i was still playing like you know reader rabbit and stuff like that nice Yeah, but the Elder Scrolls games, because even when Oblivion came out, I was, I, I almost reverted to that state of childlike wonder, because I'd never owned anything beyond a Wii at that point. Mm. Yeah, it's a pretty big jump. Yes, indeed. And that game was beautiful at the time. Beautiful. I remember seeing uh, snapshots of that in my uh, Game Informer magazine and like almost cutting them out and framing them. Like, <laughs> this is, these are video games now? What is this? Anyway. The second game that is very specific is Assassin's Creed Origins. Oh, yeah. Yes. Talk about being able to explore ancient Egypt in an open world sandbox type setting. That was my number one dream when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, ancient Egypt, I had like this crazy fascination with. It was all about ancient Egypt. And I'd never been able to play a game where you could explore ancient Egypt on your own, uninhibited, until that game. Because there's there's not many good ones. No. Yeah, it was definitely one of the first. I'd say I can't think of any examples. Yeah, I mean, like, that are open world. I mean, I guess you got a couple Indiana Jones games, but those aren't really the same. Um, or, or any so, sand level in a, in a or, platformer. Yeah. <laughs> like an Egyptian-style, you know, sand level. Um, yeah, exactly, pyramids or whatever. So... I remember when I opened up uh, Discovery Mode in Assassin's Creed Origins for the first time, which is just like the, you know, the, the where you can just walk around at your own leisure and no attacks, no danger, and you like can find historical facts sitting around the different ruins and stuff. You can go into first person mode, and I just remember walking th- through this temple once in first person mode, thinking like, if I was seven years old right now, like I, I would probably faint of excitement. Yeah. <laughs> That, look what I'm doing right now. I'm exploring this beautiful temple. There was just one moment when I remember saying that to myself. Yeah. So, yeah. I completely understand. 
Yeah. So uh, <laughs> to, to finish off my thoughts here, again, no specific games, but I would definitely be blown away to see the indie games that are so beloved that are mm-hmm. pretty much Super Nintendo games. Kid oh. me would be like, wait, 20 years from now, we're going to be playing games that look like an old console and, and going to be in love with them. And that, I think that's always just so funny to see, you know, just an evolution of those retro games and how great they are and how great they really were. But they were kind of forgotten mm-hmm. in the 90s and early 2000s because we just we had to get away from that 2D. We had to push the polygons. And then at some point people were like, no, those games are actually great. And <laughs> let's uh, explore that a bit. And then lastly, I would say just uh, Nintendo as a whole with the Switch and how they've pushed portability. If I knew I could be playing N64 games just in a handheld and then and beyond, uh, so much more games on there, like it's pretty darn cool. That's awesome. How far we've come. And then we finally realized, like you just said, less is more sometimes. That it is. So to move on to a more somber question, what is a game you were very excited for as it was coming out. And then as you played it, it ended up being a disappointment. Okay. I've got two examples here. And the first okay. one, it's exa- it's an example, not because it's a bad game, because it's a wonderful game. Uh, it's an example because of the time in which I got it. It was just okay. not ideal. So I'm going to go with Ghost of Tsushima. Explain. Explain. Yes, uh, absolutely. That deserves an explanation. This game is fantastically wonderful first off i love playing it i've Mm -hmm. loved playing it and a lot of people agree it's a great game because it is um i had been looking forward to it for a very long time especially when it was touted as kind of a japanese uh assassin's creed in a way and it's also based on historical facts like and then it's got the uh you know actual japanese language and it's got like a a open world feel and an actual island of uh, tsushima and stuff so when it came out, I had already moved to Japan. Mm-hmm. I'd been living here for a few months already, and I was so excited to play this game. So I put it in, I downloaded it, and I was playing it, and I was having a great time. This game is beautiful and whatnot. And then I realized something rather fast. This game doesn't really hold up as much hype as I thought it would have, because part of my excitement with this game was baking on the on the fact that I could explore Japan and... <laughs> I'd already been doing that. <laughs> so, yeah. like, this game didn't feel exotic to me anymore, hmm. especially because of the fact that this game was made by a Western company. It was made through the, it was made by a Western company, so it was not a Japanese game per se. It was Japan through the scope of a of a Western company. Right. So, I, I don't know that that kind of compounded with the fact that Japan wasn't really exotic to me anymore. I'm just like, yeah. oh, it doesn't feel the same. So my hype had sort of dwindled and. That's unfortunate because it's a great game and I have to go and finish it at some point. I just never finished it. Hmm. And it's really strange to say, but at the at the time, I don't know. I, I can't explain why that happened, but No, nah, I understand. It's you an know? interesting situation. <laughs> yeah, it really was. So I, I wish that it came out when I was still living in the States because I'd be looking at it through a through rose colored spectacles kind of thing. Right. So Ghost of Tsushima. Great game. Just sad timing for me. Uh, the second one was a little bit more understandable. Star Wars Battlefront. Which one? The first one. Uh, the, the first one on the newest consoles. Oh, so, okay. The remade 
Battlefront by DICE. Yes, the remade Battlefront by DICE, which did not have the feel at all to the original Battlefronts on PlayStation 2 that I played that yeah. were so freaking amazing. This new one just felt like a modern, beautiful game with way too much DLC, way too much like new, modern stuff. It just didn't feel like the original gritty Battlefront. Yeah, it sure did not feel the same, but yeah. uh, I do. I disagree. I played that a lot. I loved it, but I do understand the criticisms for sure. Yeah, I just. I was I, expecting. I was expecting an original remake, not a new game, and that's just that's on me, you know. <laughs> Oh, well. <laughs> didn't feel the same, so I didn't enjoy it as much. All right, well, I got a, a couple answers here. One that really stands out was a while ago, these people that I believe some of them used to work for Rare, they launched a Kickstarter for a spiritual successor to Banjo-Kazooie called Ukulele. <laughs> and it was so hyped as you know, this big successful Kickstarter getting all the, the banjo nostalgia and they even like certain tiers. If you donated enough, they would send you like an actual N64 cart and box of this game. It's not playable. It's just for fun. Just the cart. Yeah. (laughs) Just because that's what they wanted the reference to all be. And it ultimately, man, I, I held out and held out for it to come out on Switch because it was originally announced like for the Wii U and then it was uh-huh. in development for so long that they're like, okay, we'll just wait longer and then we'll come to the Switch. And so that's what I wanted it on because I wanted it to feel Nintendo-y. Uh-huh. And man, it just was not good. It did feel Banjo-y, but there was so many like modern touches that it needed where it's just like, okay, this is bad controls right here. Like, I don't want to actually feel like I'm playing an N64 game. I want to feel the nostalgia for Banjo while having fun. But there was just some crap that was just difficult. And then it has these really big open levels that were just kind of bland huh. and disappointing. Wow. But other than that, they captured the aesthetic perfectly. Everything okay. has googly eyes. Everyone's got silly voices. Man, it just... It, it was not for me. I don't think I even got out of the first level. I just hmm. was like, no, I'm done with this, which was disappointing. I remember you telling me about that originally and Did even I? seeing you play that for a bit. Yeah, you showed me that game. Oh, I don't remember that. I don't yeah. remember much of that. <laughs> I know they eventually made a sequel that was a side-scroller instead, and okay. that got much better reviews. Said it worked a lot better as a side-scroller. Huh. So that's cool. Uh, yeah. And then in the same vein of, of Banjo-Kazooie, th- they could have made Banjo 3, but no, <laughs> they made Nuts and Bolts, and that game was just, it was like fine for what it was, but yeah, it's not what it needed to be. Hmm. Well, I wanted Banjo-Kazooie 3. Why give us this weird car creator game? <laughs> not great. Cashing in on the modern day. I guess. <laughs> so then. Things up too much. Yeah. Anyway. My last one is the Link's Awakening remake on Switch. Mm-hmm. Because this, oh my gosh, the advertising behind this, it just looked beautiful. What a cool looking remake of a Game Boy game mm-hmm. that uh, had these toy like graphics and just super colorful and fun. And I had learned that I do really like the top down Zelda, so I was excited for this. 
in all honesty, it is good. It's fun to play. It's a solid Zelda game. My beef comes from the story. So, light spoilers here. It's a it's a 20-year-old game, so if you, if you don't know, here you go. <laughs> it's called Link's Awakening because it turns out that you are in a dream of the whale fish. What? I forget what, what yeah, he is. Windfish. Windfish. There you go. Yeah. And... It was just the whole world is the windfish's dream. And I was hoping there was a better twist than that because about halfway through the game, all the bosses, like as you defeat them, the bosses are like, stop it. This is a dream. And you're going to like, this is all going to disappear. Hmm. If, if you're successful, you're going to wake it up and this all disappears. And I really liked that island and all the people and the fun missions. And is it Marin? I think the anyway, yeah I think so there's yep. like a you kind of have like a relationship with her and it's it's all super cute and then at the end after every boss is like stop it stop it you're gonna ruin this place you do you wake up the windfish and it was all a dream and it's like seriously you told us the twist halfway through and so that me being a wanting to overthink it I was like well surely that's not true they wouldn't tell hmm. you that right now they wouldn't mislead you like that. And nope, that's just, it was. And I was super <laughs> bummed that it's like, oh, okay, all those friends I made aren't real. Game over. Mm. Wow. Yeah, super imaginary disappointing. Imaginary friends. Yeah. The friends that, were imaginary. The disappointment was real. Oof, that's deep, man. <laughs> that's deep. All right, let's move on to our next question. Do it. All righty. So I've got one right here for you. What was your vision of the future of video games when you were younger? And has it come true yet? Hmm. That's also a tough question because it's just hard to imagine what we don't know. Mm-hmm. If you were to ask me that right now, what's the future of games? My, my guess is probably, you know, actually being in games. <laughs> VR becoming so lifelike that you we're think already you're already in a there. big game. Right. That's true. <laughs> the or game of the life. Sims. Yeah. So I guess really as a kid, the thoughts were all, it was always based on graphics. That's mm-hmm. what everyone talked about. Now we've plateaued where no one talks about graphics the same way. And I would say that as a kid, I would think that we would just keep going and going until you couldn't distinguish game graphics from a real person. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's ever going to be completely possible we, you know, we've come very far with motion cap and all this cool, like 3d scanning of people. I don't think we'll ever be able to like fool someone. (sighs) I don't know. Maybe we will, (laughs) but still like that was my vision. It was just like graphics are just going to keep getting better and better. And I remember like seeing the, the demos for the PS three and that's like what the main focus was that they were showing where it's like, look how real this person looks. Look how, when the light passes behind them, you can kind of see it glow through their fingers. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, that's pretty cool. But now it's like, eh, as long as it's fun, <laughs> graphics can't be bad. Now they really can't be bad. It's yeah. Just, we're it's in, they're incapable of bad graphics unless it's on purpose. Yeah. No more graphics. That's standard now. It's going to look good. Yeah. What about you? So my vision of the future for many, many years when I was younger was virtual reality. 
accessible to everyone at all times. And that yeah. has come true. Yes, it has. Ta-da! <laughs> nice prediction. Yep. I didn't want to have to go to an arcade or, you know, go to some fancy, crazy tech demo thing to play a VR headset, which at the time had really bad graphics, but it was the idea of having the VR headset on. Right. Because, you know, you read about that. That's the coolest thing in the world. And now what do we got? Oculus? VR? Yeah. Extravaganza? It's, it's cheap, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. getting cheaper. Good prediction. And the concept of what you can do now with it is way beyond what I've ever thought was possible with the motion and like the actual following real-time movements. and Yeah, I guess that's a good answer for what would kid me be blown away by. <laughs> VR. And even, it's funny, playing some of those games, it's like, oh, that's a crap game. Yeah. But it's like you really think about what you're doing and how you're interacting with it. That's mm-hmm. awesome. It's insane. Even the worst games, the fact that they exist is incredible. Look, I'm moving. My hands are picking something up. Getting <laughs> fascinated by something simple like that. Yeah, so I'm very eager and excited to see where that goes. VR eager. <laughs> da dun ting. Well said, well said. Jake, mm-hmm. what are some of the games that society would say you're bad but you like them anyway yeah <laughs> oh so many guilty pleasures galore mm-hmm. well the first one that came to mind i've talked about in the past from the n64 quest 64 oh yeah that uh you know kind of you know meager uh placeholder we had until zelda came out I love that game, and I just played it so many times, and I've just got that history of loving it because I played it so many times, not really looking at it critically, so right. I'm biased there. Another one that came to mind that I really enjoyed playing that everyone absolutely hated was uh, Crazy Taxi for the Game Boy Advance. Oh. Yeah, okay. and so this game was one of those awful Game Boy Advance games that was fully 3D. Ew. So it had like a terrible draw distance, like very, very short. You couldn't see anything. Everything was super muddy and pixelated. It looked like a bad PlayStation game. Like it looked worse than a bad. Yeah, (laughs) it looked worse than a bad PlayStation game. The taxi itself was a sprite that just that turned very awkwardly. You could hardly see the people at all. Like the music was just in the music and sound effects. The the little tiny Game Boy Advance speaker could not handle both of them. So the whole time it was just like. It was terrible. Um, and also, it, it just, like, the, the frame rate was, like, five frames a second. It was terrible. Looking back at this game, here's what made the game great. Oh, yes. You could exploit the heck out of the trick system. Do tell. To get, like, the most money possible. So, like, while you're transporting someone, if you've ever played Crazy Taxi, like, the more tricks you do and the cooler jumps and the cooler skids and stuff and, like, the closest to avoiding cars, you get paid extra for that. Like, mm. on top of what the person's already paying you to get to the next de- destination. And, you know, like, the point of the game is, like, just, just smash through things. It's, it's, like, uh, um, it's like Grand Theft Auto taxi version, basically. Mm-hmm. So, this game, <laughs> like, if you just hold the R button and do a swerve... Like, you can just keep going, like, doing donuts in one spot. And the longer you do a donut, the more money you get. <laughs> <And> <laughs> the, the developers didn't think this through. Like, 
they, they didn't cap it. So it almost goes up exponentially. The longer you do a donut, and if you're doing career or exhibition mode, that just makes your time go up more. Because oh. the, the, the passenger just wants to be in the car with you because it's fun, apparently. <laughs> so you can just like get thousands and thousands of dollars going doing these crazy donuts in one spot and then you drop them off. And <laughs> I mean, you exploit the heck out of the system and it worked. Well, very cool. <laughs> yes. So if you ever pick that game up, which I don't recommend. <laughs> I will not. Do that. All right. I will if I ever play it. Yeah. And if you ever watch it on YouTube, like don't even bother with 1080p. It's not going to help. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> So I can think of a ton of good examples here. And I think part of my problem was the way I got new games growing up without a job is um, I traded a lot and go to game exchange. Mm. And so, so many GameCube and 360 games have gone through my hands that some of them might've been so bad they're good where I played them and then, you know, got rid of them. Like uh, that Pitfall Harry game. Oh, uh, I wish I still had that. I shouldn't have traded that away. That, that was a good game. I it remember was. that. But uh, a, a clear example I could think of is just the Burger King games, like Big Bumpin' oh. and, and Sneak King. They're so bad. And, and part of them were designed <laughs> to be bad, but I, yeah. I love them so much. Those are fun. I remember playing Big Bumpin' with you like crazy. Yeah. That, I mean, that's just a fun game to play with friends. It really is. You can get them for like a buck, can't you? Pretty that. cheap. Pretty cheap. If you can find them. I went out and bought Pitfall Harry because you showed it to me. I was so impressed by it. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, yeah, thanks. You can <laughs> do some cool cheat codes with that game too. You can unlock some cool stuff. Uh, I miss cheat codes. Yes. Okay, so this one might go into a little bit of a discussion because I thought of a couple things but there are still plenty of things in video games that are being ironed out to this day uh granted in this day and age we're finding them faster and there's a lot fewer things but there's mm-hmm. a few a few small things that i think developers should make standard in video games or should eliminate altogether so my question to you cameron is what are things developers should work out that haven't been fully standardized yet in video games if that makes sense yeah, again, a, a tough question here. All I could really think of was examples of things that are currently improving. Okay. For one, just kind of like a standard control scheme across uh-huh. pretty much like all controllers and all games. That's, that's good. Where it's like, yeah. you know, clicking in on the stick is always going to be sprint. Uh, mm-hmm. Generally, X or I guess the, you know, the left button is always going to be like reload. Yeah, And it's nice that there is kind of that standard, but then sometimes you get games that screw it up <laughs> where uh-huh. I, you know, I just played the crap out of Spider-Man on my PS4 and then switch uh-huh. over to God of War and yeah. Spider-Man's very button mashy on the standard face buttons, but then God of War switches over to the, the shoulders. Same with Assassin's Creed. Hmm. So I don't know if more of like that type of combat game has switched over to the triggers. Oh, even... Horizons melee is on the triggers, isn't it? Yep. Okay, I guess they're changing things up. But that's <laughs> jarring to go from something like Spider-Man to that. Yeah. Um, but then uh, one thing that, again, is not standardized yet, but things are getting really better, uh, getting a lot better with, especially Sony, is accessibility for mm. everyone. Like really 
kind of just allowing us to tweak things that yes might make the game easier mm-hmm. if you go in and make it easier but it's making it playable for people with disabilities mm-hmm. that is just wonderful where you can tweak every bit of the sound you can tweak actual visibility of things where you can make things that like quest items you're looking for like much easier to see uh, mm-hmm. get rid of certain audio and it's really just to, to make it accessible, like I said, to everyone. And again, mm-hmm. a lot of Sony first-party games are doing awesome at this. But Nintendo especially needs to catch up because Nintendo's like, oh, you got that controller? Well, you're going to press it the way we tell you. <laughs> There's no option yeah. to change anything. <laughs> that is very Nintendo-y, isn't it? Yeah, they're not... <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'd love to bash on Nintendo, but they are not the most consumer-forward company. No. No. I don't understand that. Yeah, it's true. We we could get into such a big argument about that, which we already have, haven't we? <laughs> we always a discussion do. about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really like what you said about accessibility being a lot more standard, and uh, I guess those options being becoming very standard with all games, like being able to customize the buttons and stuff. I really like that, and I think that's... At least for the time being, that's that's a good uh, way to circumvent the issue of the game's like control schemes not matching up with other games. Because there's so many games these days, you just want like a standard for all of them. Because yeah. it's too cumbersome to switch between games and have to. You press the wrong button, and it screws your game up because you've been used to playing this other game, and it's it's annoying. And of course, you can go in with a lot of games now and customize the buttons, but sometimes that's a little bit of a hassle unless you really really want to. True. But that is the benefit of PC. You know, every yeah. PC game, you can map every button, which is great. Yeah, that's true. That's, that is very true. So, yeah, stuff like that. So, what do you want to see standardized? Oh, well, here's the first thing I thought of. Uh, so, after big battles in mm-hmm. uh, games, the first thing that I want to do before a cutscene is let me loot things. <laughs> let me pick up the loot. Let me heal. Let me, you know do damage control and check everything and make sure it's okay before you start the next cutscene, developers. So, <laughs> trust me, like, if you want to continue the story after a big battle, let me do that first because if you start the cutscene as soon as the battle is over, I promise you, I will not be paying attention to that cutscene or the story. I'm going to be, like, hopping in my seat waiting to see, like, whether or not the loot's disappeared and whether or not I'm going to be okay. <laughs> like, c- come on, just, just hurry up. Let me loot everything because there's a lot of stuff sitting around. So that's my big thing. And something <laughs> I like about this New Horizon game is they did figure that out. Oh, yeah? Yes, with all the big battles. Mm-hmm. No cutscenes until you trigger them. So Okay. Yes. That is one big thing. That's not something I've ever really considered, but you make a compelling <laughs> argument. Yeah, well, you, you notice it a few, a few times with a few games, and there are some games that should not be doing it. But anyway... Another thing that I wish would stop happening is uh, for these huge open world sandbox games, I want them to stop constantly forcing stuff down our throats. Things are getting a little bit too big sometimes with these big games. Like if I have if I don't play it for three days, like I'll come back and there's like a new event that's happening or like a new weapon or a new tutorial I have to see or a new update. Oh. Um, and that might just be a personal vendetta because my internet's not great here. So like, yeah, so many games are becoming games of service where they're just kind of made to be, to hold your attention because mm-hmm. they want to be the only game you're playing. 
Yeah. And I understand that financially, but as a gamer, it's just, it can be frustrating. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to keep playing this. It's like right now I'm held captive by WoW and I'm sick of it. I want to be done, but (laughs) it's, it's the only thing I play because I'm trying to keep up with the guild and Mm. it's annoying the heck out of me. I'm doing the same right now with Horizon. I just beat the story, but there's so much more to do. Yeah. Like, it, it is insane, and I don't want to stop playing it until that's all done. It's, it's held me captive, and that's my own <laughs> fault, I guess. But Well, I'm about to break free from WoW for a bit, because as people are listening, finally, finally, Season 2 of Halo Infinite has started, so I'm excited to be back into that battle pass and uh, nice. checking out the new content. So... That was way too long. And they've already said this season is going to like November 6th. It's like, that's still too long. And uh, the beta, not they, they're going to have a beta for Forge, like near the end of season two. So, you know, mm. a year later after launch, it's like, yeah, Forge is close a year later. But <laughs> at least we have it instead of, you know, waiting another year for the full game. So whatever. That's a different conversation. <laughs> So (laughs) I think we got time for one more question, Jake, and I'm going to ask you, think of a perfect game, some of your favorite games of all time, and what's a flaw? What is is something that you would like to improve in that game? (laughs) Do you not have an answer? (laughs) I can think about that for a second. Just so you know, listeners... Jake is the one who wrote this question down, <laughs> not me. So I assumed you would have an answer. So I was doing a lot of writing, a lot of thinking, and I think I did have an answer, but at this moment, it's not coming to mind. Okay, so I'll start off. It's okay. it's a very hard question because I, I tried to start by just writing down some of the, the best games ever yeah, and then tried to find a flaw. And so the yeah. first thing I wrote down was Portal 2. Perfect game. And uh-huh. then it's like, hmm... Yeah, it's perfect. I can't think of a single thing I'd change in that game. <laughs> um, so one of my favorite game series of all time is the Dishonoreds. <laughs> and I would say those games are perfect. My only beef with it is that the canonical way to play it is good. To not kill anyone. Okay. But throughout the whole game, they're just like, all right, here's a gun. Here's a superpower that lets you sneak up and stab people in the back. Here's another way to kill people. You can kill people this way too. The whole game is designed for either pure stealth or pure kill everything. And, okay. you know, the different play styles have their own merits and they're they're fun either way. But it's just interesting that the game kind of punishes you story-wise for killing people, even though it's designed for that. Like, okay. it's a very bloody game, but if you want the extra challenge, which is how I always like to play it, you can play through those games without ever being seen and without killing anyone. And it's just really cool to be like, yeah, I just beat the whole game and no one ever saw me the whole time. But, you know, that's, it's much harder to do mm-hmm. that. So, and I'm not saying there's an answer to that. I just yeah. think it's ironic that that's the goal, yet it's just throwing killing instruments at you. Okay. That's interesting. So I can't really think of a flaw right now in a perfect game, but I can think of a personal preference that I have changed. <laughs> okay. And I've heard uh, multiple people say the same is with The Last of Us Part Two, which mm-hmm. is considered one of the 
best games ever made. If you're going to make cosmetic options to be unlocked, don't make them filters. Like <laughs> screen filters. Some people, yeah, some people thought that was kind of a cop out. Like, okay, black and white. I, I don't really care about that. How about we change the backpack or like, you know, cool t-shirt design or something to show like, oh, you did this. Like, I, I don't care about yeah, I, agree. I think the <laughs> filters are not fun. I tried that in Resident Evil 5 after I unlocked it and then immediately flipped it back to normal. It's like, nope, don't see the appeal of this. Because yeah. it had a black and white option. And it was like film grain as well. Okay. It's like, well, this game takes place in the day. It's not scary, even if you put it in black and white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I guess a trend with a lot of modern games is the photo mode. Like, you know the developer trying to get the the player to show off the game by taking cool screenshots and sharing mm-hmm. them, which I totally understand, but make those in photo mode. Like I, I don't want to be playing the game with these filters. It's not fun, yeah. but that's just my opinion. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> so there's my answer to that deep question that I thought of. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Of course. Yours is better. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because I'm competitive. Yes, yes. Case in point. <laughs> All right. Well, Jake, this has been wonderful. It's been mm-hmm. great to reflect over the season, talk about some fun questions, and man, just to keep reflecting. I can't believe that we're that this is episode 85 that wow. we've been doing it this long. Getting there to episode 100. We have been doing this for a long time and consistently too. That's uh that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. But we're going to take a little break. So, like we said, expect a cool video finale here very soon. Maybe next week. Maybe the week after. We'll see. It's going to be real great. We're going to see lots of cool stuff in Japan, perhaps. Maybe. You'll see. Even if we don't see it yet. What? That was like, they're going to see the video. Oh, never mind. I was trying to make a pun out of that. I didn't follow it. Okay. If you didn't, I'm sorry. Anyway, (laughs) this has been fun. It has been fun. So let's get out of here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. My name's Cameron. And I'm Jake. And have an awesome nerdy week. Minasan, sayonara. Sayonara.